Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that all life is interconnected and interdependent. And basically, science is just now catching up to what spirituality and ancient wisdom has been teaching us for eons. So what you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. So today's show topic is Scientific Basis for the Afterlife with Alan Yuganak. Alan, welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. Okay, so I'm glad to be here, and uh, I'll tell you all about what I've got in the book. And this is the book that's out that you can find if you want to have the details of what I'm going to talk about. And it's the New Science of Consciousness Survival. Awesome. And I talk about all the, the areas in consciousness that we're exploring, a mediumship, uh, past life survival, memories of past lives, um, the area of uh, uh, hypothermic cardiac arrest where people are dead for maybe four hours and then we bring them back and you have to get asked the question of where were they for the four hours and some of them have near-death experiences during that time, about 19%, and they talk about where they were during that time. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody says there's no afterlife, They're not following the current science. In each of the chapters in that book, I talk about whatever the subject is, whether it's uh, near-death experiences, whatever I'm talking about. And then I give you all the videos at the end, all the YouTube videos you can go watch about this subject. Or if I'm talking about remote viewing done at Stanford Research Institute by Russell Targ and and Hal Putoff and those people, and what they discovered, then I tell you, here's the the people where they're talking. Here's videos of them. And so it's a a really well-researched book that gives you the whole field of the cutting-edge science, which I call the new science of consciousness survival. On the materialists, they'll say, oh, that's impossible. And they want to believe that. That's their religion. They don't realize that materialism is their religion. They say, well, I'm an atheist. And thinking they're saying, I don't know if there's a God or not. Well, that's an agnostic. An agnostic doesn't know if there's a God or not. Right. But an atheist is sure there's no God, and that's his religion. Right, right. Understand that's a religion. Yes. And so they have this materialist, atheist, religious position, and they just won't allow a God. And I honestly think this. When they were a child, they heard about Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, God, and hell. And so they, they forgot about the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus as they began to grow up. And when they got to college, they forgot about God, but they forgot to forget about hell. Mm. And they're afraid that if we have a conscious universe, they're going to catch hell. And they are scared to death. And so that's what I really believe is going on with the total resistance by these people. They don't want to catch hell, so they can't allow anything like a conscious universe, because that would be a god. And and so they forgot to forget hell. Myself, I don't believe in hell, so okay. You know, I mean, but they do. And, And our science says that everyone survives and there is no hell. Yes. other than one you create for yourself. 
Now, now this is wonderful. You dove right into the book, but before my listeners want to get to know who you are and okay. your journey before we dive deep into the book. Okay. So, this can you book give us, yeah. I, um, 50 years ago in 1970, I had a near death experience before they named them near death experiences. Uh, Dr. Raymond Moody wrote his book, Life After Life, and coined the phrase near-death experience in 1975. And this was 1970. And the, the standard practice in, in psychiatry then was if someone said that they went to the other side and came back, they're delusional. Put them in the nuthouse. And we still had nuthouses then, okay? They, they got rid of them in 1981 under Reagan. And so they were literally trying to put me in the nuthouse. I had had a motorcycle wreck. Uh, I was in hospital 33 days, and d during the, I was in a coma for 12 hours, and during that coma, I went to the other side and had a near-death experience, and so I came back and said, oh, yes, um, I've been to the other side, and the psychiatrist came in and said, well, you know, that doesn't really work, you know, you can't do that, and I said, wait a minute, I've been to Mexico, you don't believe in Mexico, and you're telling me Mexico doesn't exist, why don't you investigate what I'm talking about? And of course, he didn't like that because he has all his degrees and everything. And, and here I'm telling him he doesn't know what he's, what he's doing. So he wanted to put me in the nut house. So I get rushed out of the hot. One day, my orthopedic surgeon comes in. He throws my clothes in my lap, puts me in a wheelchair, takes me down the freight elevator out the back door. I'm out of the hospital. Okay, day number 33. I, I should have been there for a few more days, but he said, we're out of here. They're going to commit you. And so thanks to him, I didn't get committed. Now that's, okay, so I had a near-death experience. And in the near-death experience, I went to the other side. I communicated with a light. And the light said, it's not your time. You have to go back. People say, well, what was that being of light? Was it, that was Jesus, wasn't it? I said, no. They said, well, that was Krishna. I said, no, it was a being of light. And the being of light did not identify himself as herself as anything personal like that. However, I was part of the light. I knew the light. I've known the light for thousands of years. So what was I actually communicating with? Us, the oneness that you talk about. And so I'm communicating with myself. So there was no need for introductions of who is this. So there I am communicating that light. The light says, no, you have to go back. And I said, well, I don't want to go back. It's just a little while. It's been 50 years. Okay, just a little while. <laughs> so I'm just here for a little while. So from that near-death experience, then I returned to life. And here I am. I'm a physics student in college. And, and I can feel everybody in the room. And I can read them, you know. And I just like, so you have to close that up. You have to put close, close it off. And so I closed it up and had a career. But as time went by, they got organizations like the International Association for Near-Death Studies and the Institute for Noetic Sciences and the Academy for Spiritualist Consciousness Studies, and all these organizations began to come into existence. And the laboratory that Gary Swartz runs at University of Arizona, where they're studying mediumship, they have all this stuff starts happening yes. in the 40 years after. And so finally, in the late 80s, early 90s, I could begin to say, well, you know, I had one of those experiences. I could actually begin to talk about it, and nobody would laugh me out of the room. And so when I got to retirement, I'm a naval architect, marine engineer, I'm a doctorate in mechanical engineering. Um, and I'm very much into the, the physics of our uh, materialist world. And our materialist physics works very well if we want to design a ship or something and do hydrodynamics and all that. 
works very well. But all the time I'm there, I know that we're looking at this little corner of reality and there's so much more out in the universe because I've been there, I've seen it, I know that it's huge. Yes. And then one day in 1998, they launched the Hubble telescope. And the Hubble telescope began to look into the distant universe. And we realized the universe was expanding faster and faster. It wasn't slowing down due to gravity like we supposed that it should up until that point. Mm -hmm. And suddenly we realized that this thing called dark energy and dark matter, and that they make up 96% of the universe and we've not even discerned them. We haven't even been able to detect them. So we're really in our light energy, we're looking at 4% of the universe. And all of a sudden science has got this egg on their face that we only know 4% and 96% is out there. And yet we're telling these people that stuff that you believe after life and everything else and all that doesn't exist. Well, wait a minute, you don't know about 96%, but you're sure that the stuff that we want doesn't exist in the 96% you don't know anything about. Now, that's really where they're at. And so all of the Nobel laureate scientists uh, uh, that gave us quantum electrodynamics, um, Aaron Schrodinger and uh, Bohr and, and uh, Dirac and Heisenberg and, and all of these scientists who gave us this and got their Nobel prizes for the, the discoveries that they made, uh, Max Planck, um, all of these people, um, all of them, believed in the universe max planck in 1900 mm -hmm. max and he gave us the quantum he said the universe the, the matrix of reality is mind the matrix of reality is mind he said that in 1900 yeah, yeah. okay but well that's that's leading it what he's saying is it's a conscious universe that's really what he's saying and if it's a conscious universe and we're all conscious we're all part of that consciousness we're all one i like to see it this way Grains of sand on a beach, we're each a grain of sand. And the beach is very intelligent because we're all there. That's the, the big consciousness. Now we know from quantum electrodynamics, which uh, if you, most people have trouble with quantum and they have to look at it and, and they always call it, watch this, the materialists call it quantum mechanics, but it's quantum electrodynamics, okay? okay. Ever since, ever since um, James Clerk Maxwell, in the 1860s, we've been realizing that the ether, the, the, the dark matter, had to be out there and that it's not about material things. And it's, it's, it's about, say, so it's quantum electrodynamics is what they finally decided to call it. And that mathematics works perfectly. So if quantum electrodynamics works perfectly, then you can have cell phones and, and uh, uh, plasma TVs and all the things that you have, all the wonderful electronic things that you have. Quantum electrodynamics has to work or you can't have a transistor. Transistors came in 1947 and everything we have has transistors in it. And if quantum electrodynamics is not true, you can't have a transistor. You can't have any of this wonderful stuff, our computers, what we're doing right now. Right. Okay, so if quantum electrodynamics is true, then it's also true that it requires an observer outside of physics to precipitate the, the state vector collapse is what we call it to make reality happen, to make matter happen. And I explain in my book, the um, double slit experiment with, with light. And in the double slit experiment, what happens is the photon recognizes that you're looking at it. Now think about what I just said. The yes. photon realizes you're looking. The consciousness has to look at the photon and says, oh, I'm gonna be matter. And it changes into a particle. 
If you don't look, it stays a wave. It does not change into a particle. And if you, if you study this, you realize there had to be a consciousness when the universe began with the Big Bang, something, some consciousness had to observe to make the state vector collapse. And this is all in quantum electrodynamics. So I always laugh when I have a materialist scientist who doesn't believe any of this, and he's talking on his cell phone to his friends saying, aren't they stupid? Okay, <laughs> the people who believe in consciousness. He, he, he believes in the quantum electrodynamics of making his phone work, but he won't believe in the implications of what quantum electrodynamics means, which when John Bell's theorem came along and we proved non-locality, that there is no distance, that space doesn't exist, that everything is connected in one place, yes. you begin to see the whole universe is a picture being developed in the mind of God, in the consciousness. We have this huge, big dream, this huge illusion going on. Yes. That's us. We're all one. Okay. Yes. So this is real tough for people who want, I want a solid object. I'm sitting on a solid chair. It's really there. No, the chair you're sitting on is an electrical field and your body's an electrical field. They won't go through that chair. And that's when you're, you, you know, and what I love is when I'm okay. So later on, I decided to open up and become a medium. So okay. I'm retiring. Yes. I began to study mediumship. I, um, work with the spiritualists a lot and I go to a spiritualist church and I'm the medium and I sit right there in front of the church and I say, okay, well, I've got this spirit coming through and it, her name is Susie and this is what she looks like. And she was your great grandmother. And the person says, well, yes. And I say, on your mother's side. And they say, yes, you're my great grandmother. My mother's side was Susie. Now I don't even know that stranger that I'm bringing this to. How do I get that information? Scientifically, I can't explain how I get the information, but it surely works and it sure is fun. Yeah, and I do it all the time. And I, um, one time I was sitting at uh, Golden Gate Spiritualist Church and it was a Wednesday night. And I was the medium and I brought through five names for three different people with all the relationships and everything. And I didn't realize that there was this PhD doctorate from, from Germany sitting out there watching this. Okay. And he was so blown away, he joined my mediumship circle. But for the rest of the time, he was a guest speaker at Stanford. He, he would come to my medium circle to learn how, to, how, do, how in the world did I do that? Well, it was very convincing for this guy to watch me do that. The way that works is you have to remove your ego and not use your analytical mind. So I have to take Dr. Huguenot and set him, and it's Huguenot, not Huguenot, Dr. Huguenot, and set him aside and just be heart, just be open heart. And then all of this stuff comes through from the universe. It just comes drifting in. And, and so, like I say, the, the five names and, and for three people, that's because I'm like a jellyfish. I'm very, when I'm a medium, I'm very much a jellyfish. I'm not, I'm not teaching school, you know what I mean? I'm not the teacher, not the professor. And so I'm like a jellyfish and I'm just totally emotional. And then I can feel them and it comes in, and, and so if I get a name, people say, how do you get names? And some mediums say, it's hard to get names. No, it isn't. You let them, let you feel it. Mm -hmm. So I feel their name. And so, like, if I have an uncle that's, his name is Floyd. So if I have a Floyd, I'll feel Uncle Floyd. Okay. I have another uncle named Lawrence. So if it's Larry or Lawrence, I'll feel Lawrence. And it, it's sort of like that. And and uh, one time I was giving them, a reading and it was for a, a woman named Angela and I had her her deceased former 
um, boyfriend that she was engaged to. And, and, and I said, he had something to do with basketballs. And she said, no, he doesn't even like sports. So I later asked my chief guide on the other side, Helen, I said, what was that about? She said, the, the one person you know in the world who's a professional back basketball player was Jack Sigma of the Seattle Sonics back in a, a few years ago. And I, I gave you the basketballs because I wanted you to think Jack. And, and so I went back to Angela two weeks later and said, Angela, what was his name? She said, Jacques. There it is. Uh, Helen, uh, who's a guide on the other side, was trying to help me by giving me Jack, so I'd basketball, so I'd say Jack. And instead I said basketballs. And that's how it happens with us mediums. Half of what we have is the wrong answer because it comes as symbols and images and it's felt. But we do get correct names right. because we, we, we practice for years to, so that when Helen... Helen's been deceased for over a quarter of a century. Helen is bringing it through to me. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Excuse me, I just went into my mediumship. And like I say, I'm a jellyfish. And then I can't hardly, I'm so emotional. So um, Helen comes through to me and she brings me things and we practice so that I know exactly, okay, that means this. And they're standing on this side, they're in the mother's side, and this side is the father's side. And I can and I can work that out. Right. It's not easy to be a medium, but okay. So and on mediumship to be one, I go to Arthur Finley College, which is in Essex, England. It's in uh, Stansted on Fitchett, which is over by the Stansted Airport between Cambridge and London. And um, I go there about once a year and spend at least a week. Okay. because they teach evidential mediumship and that's how I learned to do this stuff. It isn't okay. just something you, we can all do it. You can do it. We can all do this mediumship, but you, you need to polish it and practice it. And so I polish it and practice it and I go there. It costs a little bit to get over there. Believe me, yeah. um, just to get to England is expensive. And then I have to spend a week there. Um, but because I go there, it's the only place I found. Uh, there's another place Zunhof or something over in, in um, the, uh, I think it's in the Netherlands, um, in Europe where the, the Arthur Finley people also teach over there too. Yes. Um, and what we, what we learn there is how to do evidential mediumship. And so I'll be there in an advanced class because I've been there a lot of times. And so like Simone Key, she's the, the chief professor. And, and so she puts me up in front of a whole bunch of mediums and and then she says, okay, so what do you have? And I said, well, I've got Frederick, and, and he's, um, you're, you're back there. He's your great-grandfather. She says, yes. And I say, and Frederick worked in a, a shipyard in Glasgow. And she says, yes. And then immediately my mind, my analytical mind says, Alan, you're a naval architect. Um, you just think he worked in a shipyard. You're making that up. So I'm standing there, and then I, I sort of stop. Right. And the, the professor, who can also read my mind as well as, as Frederick's mind, says, no, no, Alan, he's coming to you because you're a naval architect. And I haven't said a word about it, my, what my thoughts were. She says, he's coming to you because you're a naval architect. And he worked in the shipyard rather than come to nurse Susie over there in the corner who he wouldn't understand him. Right. And so I said, oh, okay. And she says, so go on. So I go on and I say, so he lived in a house in Glasgow and the house was, it was built, it's a couple of stories high and it was built 
around a circle with a, a circle in the middle of the house and the stairs came down like that. Mm-hmm. And she said, that's very good. She says, so you got the house? I said, yeah. She said, what street is it on? Wow. <laughs> wow. And so I work on a little bit, come back. It's on Oak Street. And then she wants to cross street. I mean, this is the kind of testing and pushing they do so you can get Frederick to tell you yes. So I've told the, the, the sitter, the, the granddaughter, the great-granddaughter, he smoked a pipe and I've told her all this stuff and he wears three-piece suits, therefore he works in the, in the supply department. So I get all these kind of details. Yeah. And it's much better when I'm at Arthur Finley like that because the, everyone, there's 90 people there taking different classes and they're all mediums. And so they, it, and the in, energy is very high. Right. And so this works very well. Then you come back and try to do it um, here and it's, the energy is not as high. Yes. Okay. So if you can get a circle of eight people or more, the energy gets up and it works better. So I've, I've studied that as a scientist and I've been tested by the uh, Institute for Noetic Sciences. Dr. Dean Radin and Dr. Arnold DeLorme have tested me as a medium. I've, I've done studies with them. They put me in a isolated in a Faraday cage, which is totally isolated electronically and, and magnetically. So to see how this works, um, they put electroencephalogram on my head. They measure what's going on in my head when I'm doing mediumship. I've done that with them. I've done it with the um, Psychical Research Foundation. I've done it with the uh, 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 Gary Schwartz and the Laboratory for Advancement of Consciousness and Health at the University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. It's been tested by these people, worked with these people, doing mediumship. Um, and it's a very real thing with doing the science of mediumship. And so I talk about all of this science. I talk about my near-death experience. It's all in that book. There's colored pictures of me with a, my wired up and all that stuff. And, and, and then also the pictures of what they produce with a computer of what's going on in my head. Uh-huh. So you can see the, the things that's happening there. And the point of it all is that we're one consciousness and we can prove this scientifically and so i the name of the book is the new science of conscious survival and the meta paradigm shift to a conscious universe i wrote it in 2016 because i had written another book in 2012 about which i called the death experience and there i was describing my near-death experience and it was cathartic uh, writing for me i had to pull this out and write about it and it took me about eight years to put that out and every time I would go anywhere, everyone would ask me about chapter six, which is about the, the quantum electrodynamics. It was about the physics of the thing. Yes. So that's why I made this second book about the science, because people need to know that our cutting edge science has totally proven. And when they say, when a materialist will say, that's never been proven, that's impossible. No, that's his religion that it's impossible. It's been proven over and over and over, replicated thousands of times. And what Dr. Dean Radin at the Institute for Neuroetic Sciences does, he does what we call a meta-analysis. He takes all the experiments that were ever done about remote viewing or, or uh, card identification where they're you know, identifying cards or whatever they're doing. He takes all of it and does the science of it and then runs the numbers on it. And we always prove that psi yes. is real. It's yes. very real. Yes. Uh, ESP is real. Mediumship is real. Now, I had one. Oh, it was Sunday. I was at church just yesterday. Uh-huh. And I was the medium. And I, I brought through several people with my name and stuff. And afterwards, Mary came up and she said, oh, Alan. Now, four weeks ago, 
you brought through Holly. I found out she's not dead yet, but I brought her through and I'm in it. So, see, so, so what's the difference between we do mediumship talking to a deceased mind or talking to a still living in the physical mind? Right. It's the same thing. So I had brought through, very clearly brought through with all the right message and everything else, somebody who's still alive. Yes. Who, who She didn't know that Holly was still alive. She had to go back and find that out. And so... Um, I had brought her through at a previous um, demonstration. We call it demonstration where we, we try to bring a greeting through. It's not really a reading. It's a demonstration. We're just in front of the congregation bringing through spirits by name and relationship and, and a, a short little greeting message from them, which is usually, I love you. You know, that's what they like right. to say. Right, right. And sometimes they'll have something like uh, a person uh, was facing a struggle to change her job and her deceased sister came through and said, Hey, remember when I changed my job? And she did. And mm -hmm. she said, okay, it worked out really well. It's going to work for you. Right. And so they'll have a message like that sometimes a little longer message, but mostly it's just a, a greeting of, I love you. Yes. And I'm still here. The thing, the thing they want you to know is I'm right here. I'm right here. Yes. Helen tells me all the time. And incidentally, Helen is not someone I knew in this life. Okay. She came and found me. Um, Helen tells me all the time, I'm right here. Mm -hmm. I'm right here. Yes. And they are. They're in a fourth dimension or a fifth dimension. They're right here. We can't see them. Um, they're our, our vision, if you ever look at the, the electromechanical spectrum of yes. light, and we see this little strip. Now, the way we even see that little strip, and the colors that we see, when you realize what you're doing, you're taking light that's coming in and you're interpreting it in your, in it's electric signal going into your, so it's, 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 it's like streaming video or something. It's, it's an electric signal and you're turning it into what you're seeing. Yes. And we don't even know if, if, if you see the color blue and I see the color blue. We don't even know if we're seeing the same color. We, exactly. we may be seeing something different. We don't know. Exactly. And, and, and so what we're seeing out there is all an interpretation and is it really out there? Okay, so there's all that kind of stuff that people want this. They want to know that it's solid. I'm really sitting on the chair. I don't have to worry about anything. The earth isn't going to fall down. Well, we live in San Francisco, and sometimes it shakes, you know. But we don't live where they have tornadoes. We can't understand why anybody lives where they have a tornado. More people die of tornadoes every year than ever die. Of, we, in California, in the last 100 years, we've had 167 people die in an earthquake. Okay. So, 100 years 167 people and that includes the 89 earthquake there was you know the, the freeway fell down and, and about 40 people got killed so yeah you add it all up living in an earthquake state we lose in 100 years 167 people how many people died of a tornado in kansas in the last 100 years a heck of a lot more than that and people say oh but it's so safe here in kansas we just have tornadoes okay, <laughs> okay. so everybody I want to share with you, it is science. Science is what awoken me to the truth of oneness. Yes. And it's very, very true what you're saying. It is scientifically proven. But I remember in seventh grade, studying atoms and molecules, my science teacher in seventh grade said, nothing is truly solid. And yeah. we know that. We know we're not living in a solid universe. So these people, like you say, who 
only want to believe what they can sense with their own senses. Like, and our, like you said, is our human senses are extremely limited. So for you to say, for a person to say, I only believe in what I can see, hear, touch, and all of that, that means you're discounting, I would say, 99.9% of what's really out there. Okay, so now think about this. Our body is a collection of cells. Okay, so let's think for a minute about bacteria that's living on a wall. Okay, a bunch of bacteria living on a wall. Think of some green slime growing there, okay? Mm -hmm. Green slime lives on this wall. And the food that comes to the wall, it's coming at the edge of the green slime. So how does the bacteria in the middle get fed? Well, the slime comes there and they, they begin to make ways that the food can get to the middle of the slime. And these are bacteria. They don't even know each other, okay? They, they set up whole systems of food coming through and everything else and waste getting out. And, and we watch bacteria do this. Right. So the bacteria itself is an organism, a huge organism. Yet each little bacteria is a separate little bacteria. Okay, so now let's look at your body. A couple of trillion cells there. Okay, so if you want to digest your food, there's this bacteria called an enzyme. It's got to do something in your gut or your food's not going to digest. You're not going to eat any of it. It's just going to go right through. It ain't going to get any. Okay, so you're relying on that that enzyme that you don't even know about. Okay, they're, they're just discovering this now that there's this huge collection of of cells and, and bacteria and enzymes and everything else working together. Yes. And did, w- when you lost your last uh, few cells in the last 10 minutes, you lost 10,000 cells, did you, did you notice? <laughs> they left and some other new ones were formed and all that's going on without you doing anything. You're not even thinking about it. What's doing that? Your mind? No. <laughs> you're, not, you're not sitting there thinking about, I'm doing all this. No. So where do they get this idea that they're in control anyway? Because they're not. We're a big group of cells that decided to work together. Why? Because somewhere in some consciousness, we have this idea of I'm me and you're you and we're ourself. And, we, and, and so here's this idea that's doing this thing. And all these cells have come together to be in one place and do this. Yes. And we're not the same person that we were all of our cells have replaced themselves in the last seven years. Totally. We're a total different person. Yes. And yet we sit there and say, well, I'm me, I'm physical. No, we're not physical. We're with this idea that's holding this physical together. And when we're done doing that, when it gets too painful, my knees hurt too much or whatever, I'm I'm out of here, you know, we're going to leave. And when we leave, where does this thing, Consciousness. consciousness that's holding all that together, where does it go? It survives. And that's what we know from what we're studying. It survives. There is no retribution. The near-death experience, we have the life review, and they review, how did the other person feel in all those exchanges that you had? That's what it is. The life reviews, what did the other person feel in each event? And that's what it is. So how did they feel? And then there's a period after they die, there's this period of remorse where they sit around and think, oh, gosh, I really screwed up. I mean, think about Hitler's remorse, okay? Mm -hmm. They are in this field of remorse and they have to work through that and work that out when they get that all worked out to where they no longer have any remorse and that's their own you could call it limbo you could call it purgatory you could call it hell thing it's their own thing their own remorse yes Uh, i get a lot of messages where 
the spirit wants to come through and tell the person I'm sorry. You know, it's yeah. Uncle Joe who molested the girl. He says, I want to say I'm sorry. Well, I can't say from the, the platform in front of the church, you know, your uncle who molested you. I can't say that. You know, so I have, to, I have to hold a little bit of, of the professor here while I'm relating what's coming through because those people want to say I'm sorry. They're doing their remorse. They're doing their reparations. Some of them, it takes them a long time. But so people here say, you know, my, my dad, he died, uh, and it's been 10 years. I haven't heard a word from him. He's still working on his crap. He's got to get it straightened out. He's, he's still working that through, and he's not ready to come back and communicate with the whole world. He's got to get the I'm sorry's out, and he's doing all this. And then finally, they move on, and they begin to make progress on that side as well. But it is, um, okay, so the Catholic Church tried to call that limbo, purgatory. It had different names for this. They were trying to describe it. They're not, they're not wrong. They're just trying as hard as they can. And all the churches are trying as hard as they can. They usually have a, somebody who had a great spiritual experience who's the leader of their, their whole belief system. But then what happens is the, the local people who haven't had that experience try to interpret it by reading a book or something else. And, and then it all goes to, my sister always says it this way, as soon as they write it down, it goes to shit. Excuse my <laughs> Okay. It just, it, as soon as yeah. they write it down, it's not true anymore. Right. That's what happens. So what we know is that we are all one consciousness. Yes. And the, the best way to see that is the grains of sand on the beach. For me, that's the, that's what it is. It, it's, we are not separate. We are one consciousness. We are all one. And that's very hard. And people spend all their time trying to find ways. Uh, you know, the, the Irish don't like the Italians. Okay. You know, vice versa. You know, there's the game. And, and in this country, first, it's, it's who immigrated to the country when and who doesn't like who. And they play this game over and over. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. So you, you had for a long time in Boston, they had this stuff going on. And I, I was in Boston in the seventies when they were busing people around and I had to ride on a school bus to go on this tour. And I'm, so I'm riding through Boston on a school bus on this tour because they, our, our convention was in Boston and, uh -huh. and they've been shooting up the school buses, you know, and I'm, yeah, it was, so I see this and, and it's like Northern Ireland, same thing. They're, they're both Irish. Come and give me a break, you know, just because one's Protestant and the other's Catholic. Stop. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And, but everybody does it all over the world, all the time. And it's because we think we're separate. That's, we're separate. It's so that's simple. Once we realize we're not separate. That's what, that's what Jesus and everyone else tried to say is we're, we are one. We're, we're not separate. Um, and then the it, people interpreting it, take it and make it separate. What happened in the Christian church was awful because um, in 1553 A.D., the um, Justinian, the emperor, held a, a, a convention of the church, an ecumenical council, and second ecumenical council of Constantinople in 553 AD. Right. And he outlawed believing in, after, uh, in, in multiple lifetimes. Okay, mm. the majority opinion in the world is multiple lifetimes. Right. The only descendants from the Roman Empire believe in one lifetime. Oh, okay. And it was in 553 AD. 550 years after Jesus Christ, that the Christian church it was disallowed to believe in more than one lifetime. <laughs> now, the bishop um, 
Origen at Alexandria in 200 AD, the Christian bishop there writes all about multiple lifetimes, and, and he talks about it. And he and and so what the what the emperor needed was the church to have one lifetime. So you had to kiss up to the church and get everything straight in this lifetime. You know, so you put money in the church and you kiss up to the church and he can use the church to keep his thumb on the people. So Justinian got rid of that. Villages, the Catholic Pope wouldn't even attend the convention. He was so mad at, at the emperor for putting this on. Right. And making the, the bishops he could get to agree with him to, to do this. In the minutes of the convention, the anathema against origin is what it's called. Okay. Was never passed by the, it's not in the minutes of the meeting. So Justinian couldn't even get it passed by the bishops, but he ran away from the convention saying, I got it passed. And then he used the Roman army to enforce it on everybody. Oh my goodness. Okay. Only one lifetime. Yeah. And so everybody who sits around and say, well, I only believe in a lifetime. I don't know what all this is about the children who remember past lives. That couldn't possibly be. They're just doing what Justinian said. Mm -hmm. And it's great very fundamentalist Christian thing. There's just one lifetime. I'm sorry, but here's the truth. Bull. <laughs> Absolute bull. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's the Emperor Justinian. And if you just look at the history, you realize that the majority opinion in the world is multiple lifetimes. Yes. Only the Roman Empire doesn't believe that. And you've been hoodwinked. Yes. Yes. Like, like you said, if people really looked into what they believed themselves. Not just, don't just take what you taught in church, what your parents teach you, what society teach you. Throw all of that away and study for yourself and look in your heart and what resonates is true for you. You know, just... Okay, and but that's easy for us to say, but you know, if I hadn't had the near-death experience, I'd probably be a fundamentalist, um, materialist physicist, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I had that near-death experience that woke me up. I, and I always say it this way. They had to kill me to get my attention. Yes. They had to kill me to get my attention. Spirit yes. had to kill me. Well, they that's very me. true. Yeah. Yes, and it's very true to experience it. And it, you, you spoke about Dean Radden. Uh, Radden. 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 Uh, I always get his name mixed up. But he was my guest just last week. So yes. he, his show is going to be airing just before this one. So this is. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's, he's a dear friend of mine. We, yes. A lot, he, you know, his institute's only 37 miles from my house. Oh, okay. So he, he took this picture of me all wired up. Oh, okay. Hold it up. A, hold the book up a little bit. Okay. Oh, he, yes. He, yes. He a picture of me with my head wired. Yes. <laughs> yes. And what, yes. what I show you in here. Is is what the this is a, a, Andrew Lorm's program that that EEG does my head amazing the book it and it's it's well they're studying me and they're looking at my head and I, I don't want to go into that right now but well, well um, the reason I brought him up is he and I said that just last week is the experience of it for people to really get it they need to experience it just like you were saying yes. Absolutely. So I see Dean often um, because the their laboratory is 37 miles away, and I um, very much support what they're doing. So I'm I, I donate a lot of money, so I go to circle meetings and stuff and 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 uh, participate. But 
I wasn't uh, quite that involved when they were studying me, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, the, we, we, we talk a lot about this stuff and yeah. at dinners and things. And I've done a complete presentation. Oh, one of the things that Delorme and I cooked up, Dr. Delorme and I, uh, was for me to give a reading to every one of their employees that I hadn't met. Okay, so, so, all, so I did the entire, you know, uh, speed readings. It's it's a piece of science we're doing, but we have trouble getting other mediums to come to do that okay. because mediums are afraid they're being tested somehow, or they're gonna they're gonna fail the test. They go, the little ego gets in. But I did what we call speed reading, and we did triple blind, so I, I couldn't even know their name. They just walk in, and I'd say, okay, so I've got this spirit here, and I write down all the answers to all the questions, hand it to the monitor next, and you get a five minute reading for all their employees. And then the employees get three of those readings mm -hmm. and they have to find out the one that has to do with them okay. and then, then see if that's true. Like I might know your friend from high school that died and here's how they died. And, and, and so they have to find out if that's true. Now we're using a very receptive audience. They all work there. I mean, they work at the noetic sciences, so right. they're receptive, but we had really fantastic results and um, they're not allowed to tell me the, answers that they got because if they do then the skeptics will say well you preconceived it you you didn't really read it you, you it wasn't spirit talking to you it was them you preconceiving what you were going to tell them later mm. and that's how they would argue it like they every time we say we we are doing mediumship and talking to people that survive they say no you're reading the mind of the person sitting there you're doing esp and reading the mind of the person sitting there so that's why i always want to get a detail that the person sitting there doesn't know that they later verify through the family and some cousin somewhere else knows it. Right. And then they can't say, I read the cousin's mind who lives in New York or someplace right. in California. They can't say, I read that mind. Um, when we get that other detail and I do that often get details like that. Mm -hmm. so, um, we were doing that single, triple blind. And triple so blind. some of those employees have seen me at other events at, at the nomadic society and they'll come running up and I say, shh, don't tell me anything and they say why i say because you'll unblind the study we can't do that yeah and they say oh and i say so i have the impression that you're wanting to tell me how good it was and you can tell me if it was good or bad and they say oh my god and and, you know, and so i say okay so it was a good reading i got it yeah and and i've had five of them come up to me even though they were told don't do this don't come up to me you know? right. five of them have come up and said oh my god you know so we we got some good results and we need to get other mediums to do that. Yeah. Also, we have to have the funding to support the activity. Yeah. If we can do it, we're going to uh, really show that mediumship is uh, really real, and we're really yeah. working to the other side. What we're, where we're at right now, we can prove that the medium gets the information, mm -hmm. we, and it comes from outside of them. We know that much also because it's used gamma waves and, and, and not alpha and delta. And so we, we know a lot about it. We know it comes from outside the medium. We don't know where it comes from. We can't say it isn't from the cousin in New York or, or you know, where do, where do they get this information? But it is coming from outside the medium's head. Right. And they're receiving it. And then, um, so the science is a slow process, very slow yeah. process, but we are able to at least do that. We know it's coming from outside the medium. So I believe, now this is not science, this is my belief now, I'm actually talking to spirit because they yeah. come and tell me the things and, yeah. and they're very real and, 
And uh, so as a scientist, I've put this book together that looks at all the science and it looks at all the stuff. And it's a very good book. And I'm not trying to sell books. That book costs 25 bucks because it's absolutely it's color on the inside, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I'm not, I don't make money at it. I, I don't know if they've even cleared my expenses of creating the book. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, I put it out there for people right. to have the book. Right. Not, it's, it, and, and one, one person I was doing a reading for the other day said, I can't believe how many people have a near-death experience and then write a book. And I said, well, she says, they're all trying to make money with the book. I said, no, not one of them's making money with their book. No. They just want to tell their story and the world doesn't want to hear it. And so they write, their, we, the Near Death International Association for Near Death Studies has local groups so that people who experience the near-death experience have someone else to talk to right. that, they can, that they can relate to. And if you... Um, want to see a really good production of this, go see the movie Afterlife with Matt Damien and I forgot her name, but the movie's called Afterlife. Okay. And he's a medium and he's just, he's trying not to be a medium because it's so hard to have a life when you're a medium. Okay. Yeah. And, and he, it, he, he, the movie illustrates very clearly how he has this relationship with this one woman. And as soon as he, she, she starts finding out he's a medium, she starts wanting to know, okay, well, that, let me know. And so he gives her a reading and he runs right into that situation of, right. yeah, your, your dad molested you. And she said, no, he didn't. You know, and it's, it's, it's you know, she's denying it. Right, and, right, right, right. right. And I, now, now I remember. I, I was wondering if I, I've seen that movie, yes. Yes, but then he finally gets together with the lady who had the near-death experience, and yeah. she gets him, and he gets her, and they can they can have a relationship because they both understand each this, other. This. Yes. Okay. That's a good movie yes. for anybody to go see who doesn't quite understand what's going on here, what we're really talking about. Right. It's very difficult to be medium. People will, when they know an answer, um, they know something, they won't even tell you you're right. <laughs> they don't want to, they don't, they, you, you say, I've got your, your, your ex here or something else and, and they died and they don't want to tell you you're right because it's too painful for them or something else. And, you're, you're doing a hundred percent and they're, no, I don't, I, you know, I've, I've had a person uh, that comes to the medium and, and they, they sit down and, and you say, well, I've got David here. And they say, I don't know David. Mm. And on the way home, somebody says, you were married to David for 15 years. You don't know David. Of course you forgot David, but the medium brought David through. You don't want to hear from David. So, mm-hmm. you know, right. That's what happens to mediums. We don't get we don't get credit. Nobody says thank you. Right. Uh, and and so it's a very tough business. And that's a good movie to to see because yeah. he he keeps doing it, but it's very tough for him. Yes. He finally gets a relationship with this beautiful girl. With you know everything's great, and okay. she's had a near death experience. She and of course her boyfriend left her because yeah. he couldn't understand what was going on with her. Right. Both of the people with a near death experience end up divorced. Mm. it happens there yes. they were they were somebody else and then this happened to them and now they're this person yes and so they go through a divorce they go through a breakup they later um do connect with someone else who gets it right that's important, very important well, so my son is in spirit and when he transitioned four years ago um i knew i wanted to have a reading with a medium but i did not go looking for one 
So, and I, 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 I launched this show six months after my son's transition. It was just out of inspiration. I felt like I, I wanted to do something, like you said, it's not about making money. It's about sharing with the world. But um, I had, I was gifted a reading which from Suzanne Giesman. Oh, is she great? Yes, on my son's birthday. Oh, she's a dear friend of mine. I oh, know. yes, yes. And it was amazing. We From that reading, we have my son's voice on tape. We were, I had never even heard of EVP, and we weren't trying to do EVP. But he came through. He was he he was talking through her computer. It was through Zoom. The the, the session was through Zoom, and it was just amazing. And he came in the Zoom session. Yes, he did. Oh, fantastic! Yes, right. he did. It was amazing. Yes. So I I thankfully I but from doing this show I have met some amazing evidential mediums that are the real thing. But one of the things that uh, Dean and I spoke about last week was one of the bad things that there's so many frauds out there. Yes. So, yes. Well, okay. So Susanna's, Dean, Dean and, and Dr. DeLorm have attested Suzanne as well. Yes. Because I heard her to go up there when she was visiting here. And, yes. and uh, she's, she's not ready to do the speed reading thing I did yet, though. <laughs> okay. uh, but when she, when, she, when she gets there, She's, yeah, she's wonderful. She's absolutely the she's best and, and she's uh, dear friend. And, and I've put her on um, some of the best conventions. I put her on, and then I was the next speaker. You know, and so we did this in, in cahoots, right after each other at some of those conventions. Uh, I'm not into doing, going to the conventions so much anymore. Yeah, but um, that's that's she does that, and she that's that's her ministry. What she does. Yes. I, I don't know. She's also on Unity Radio on Thursdays. Did you know yes. that? Okay. Yes. Yes. Because um, yeah, she's really fun. Um, yeah. So that was a great reading, and you got an actual EVT. That's uh, that's wonderful. Yes, I had never even heard of EVP, and it's <laughs> <laughs> it's so amazing. Yes. Watch, watch, watch Dan Drayson's movie on EVP. Dan Drayson. Okay. Dan Drayson and ITV or ETV, and then just put that in there. Okay. Dan Drayson Telecommunications and a video, YouTube will pop up. Yes. Watch, watch that. You'll really like it. Yes. And he tells the whole history of all that. Oh. And you might want to interview him sometime, Dan Drayson. Okay. Definitely. He's, yeah. he's made a nice film about that. It's taken him a good 20 years to put, put all the stuff together for that film. Okay. Very good one. Very good. Um, another person you might think about um, to interview is uh, Luis Monero. Okay. Luis, Luis Monero uh, is a lot into astral travel out of body. Okay. Okay. And he's a, a, a wonderful guy. And he's been going out of body since about age 17. And he's, I think he's in his late 50s. I'm not sure. Okay. okay. So he's a great guy to um, interview about this being yeah. outside the body. And um, these, I, you know, I, I talked to all these guys to, to get all this stuff together that we put in the book. Yes. And they're real people who are doing yes. real work and they're the most honest people in the world. Yes. And everyone who's skeptical about them is not a scientist. Nice. The clowns out there that are uh, Teller and uh, Randy, those, those are, you guys are clowns. <laughs> they have degrees in, in, in from clown college. I mean, give me a break. 
And uh, they'll, they'll shoot down somebody with a PhD from Harvard. And they'll say, well, you're not really, they, they said to Gary Swartz, he said, he has his, his doctorate from Harvard and he's a Cornell graduate. Yes. Um, Teller, this magician, musician who works in Las Vegas says, but you're not uh, really a graduate of Harvard. Well, no, he's a postgraduate of Harvard and he's a graduate of Cornell. So the truth is he's not a Harvard graduate. And and they will make plays on words like that. that yeah. Somebody look like they're not who they are, and these these they do this, and 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 the skeptics are, the majority of them have, if they have a PhD, they'll have doctor in front of their name. Check the PhD out. It's a doctor of philosophy. It's not a doctor in science. It's a doctor of philosophy. Right. Well, a doctor of philosophy and philosophy's rules for information are mm-hmm. much. Uh, looser in, in philosophy if you have an idea and it and it adds up it's good you don't need any evidence in right. science you need evidence for and no evidence against your hypothesis in order to make a scientific truth okay, okay. and then if you have experimental evidence that backs it up now you're beginning to get scientific truth in philosophy you don't need that you just in philosophy you can say uh, I'm a Democrat, and he goes, well, I'm a Republican. Now you gotta, you know, you're both right. Okay, nobody's wrong here. You're both right. Uh, and philosophy. But science, that doesn't work. You can't have your idea. that You've got to have one idea, which is correct. And you, we're trying to work out with science. And so all of the skeptics have doctors of philosophy. Okay. It's amazing to me. There's... Susan Blackmore, she's the only one that's, that's actually got a science degree, okay? Um, the, and, and then if you look into their background, like Shermer, Shermer is the guy that, that uh, Michael Shermer, he, he's the skeptic in Scientific American Magazine, and he writes the Skeptic Magazine. Okay. So check him out, you'll find out that he was a fundamentalist Baptist going door to door up until 1972 when he was already in college, going around evangelizing door to door. And then one day he quit that. Okay. And when we talk about Easter bunny, you know, and forgot to tell, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. he's yeah. a prime example of that. He's, he's thrown away God because uh, his girlfriend died and God wouldn't save his girlfriend. There's a whole story to it. Okay. And, and so he's a militant. There can't be a God skeptic. Okay. Okay, but and so you just have to look at people's history and you say, oh my gosh, this is why this guy's doing this. And they, they can't admit it to themselves, but the psychology is all there. Right. And so you have to give them some space to be skeptical. Yes. They're hurting people. Yes. They've got reasons that they're doing what they're doing. Right. But they don't need to attack those of us who are telling the truth. And they like to attack. They like to attack viciously. Yes. And, um, Yes, this is so true. To me, it's just like like those people, those skeptics, I think they just, if they don't see it, feel it, taste it, touch it, it's not real a lot of times. And we know from science, from the science, we know that mankind, human, a human body cannot sense 99.9% of what is surrounding us. We're swimming in all these waves, microwave, gamma waves, whatever kind of way. We don't see them. And like you were saying about the phone, the cell phone, the computer, all today's technology, 
I had one scientist, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Thomas Campbell, but he was a guest on my show. He, he wrote the, My Big Toe, yes. right, My Big Theory of Everything. And he, it was so great what he said. He said, if a person does not believe in oneness, you should take away your cell phone. They shouldn't be able to own a cell phone if they don't believe in oneness. And I thought that was so great because all of today's technology, there, we could not have today's technology without the truth of oneness. Absolutely true. And that's what, so I explained quantum electrodynamics so people can understand that. And I explained non-locality. Yes. And then in this book, I also take, there's, there's six basic principles called the first principles of physics, which were all assumed to be self-evident when they put physics together 350 years ago in the 1660s. And they put this together and they said, these truths, you know, this is the basic where we start, the first principles. All of those first principles like reality, um, okay, non-local has taken local reality out of, it doesn't exist because Bell's theorem proves that non-locality is true, there is no space. Okay, if you don't have space, okay, so you can't, you can't do our materialist physics without space and time. You have to have those. Well, time is an illusion. Space is an illusion. We, we can, and so I take all of these things out one at a time, and I show how we've taken them all out, including mathematical certainty. People talk about a mathematical certainty. Two and two is four. Are you sure? <laughs> and... Godel, he takes that out and he shows you how in every mathematical system there is a statement that can be made from the system which is unproven by the same system. So you can't have certainty even in a mathematical sense. Okay. We try to be mathematically certain, but we can't. And I take out every one of those basic principles, which in 1650, Newton and Descartes and others said, these have to be self-evident. They presume yeah. to be self-evident. They're presumptions, and our material science is based on six presumptions. And the presumptions have all been disproven by quantum electrodynamics and non-locality. So how can we still believe that, although that's a wonderful way to do things, and I build ships from it, and we yeah. build airplanes from it, and we do all of our physical stuff from it, it's a nice approximation, but it isn't the truth. It's an approximation. And so I love what, um, when I hear a skeptic, and one skeptic is um, uh, Sean, I'm trying to think of his last name, um, at the, um, he teaches at uh, um, California, Caltech, and his name is Sean, and he's a physics professor. Mm -hmm. And he says in one of his videos, he says, I can't find any place within the standard model for consciousness to exist. That's because Descartes in 650 AD said, we're going to set consciousness into metaphysics. That's what it means beyond physics, metaphysics. And we're just going to study the things we can be conscious of with our senses. Right. So when a professor who's got a PhD from Harvard and he says, I can't see any place within the standard model for consciousness to exist. He apparently doesn't know the history of the fact they put consciousness outside of physics. Right. Back 350 years ago, doesn't even know the history. I've got a stupid statement, but that's the kind of people that skeptics are. 
making stupid statements. Mm-hmm. Consciousness was set outside the box. Right. But we now know at this point in our study of science that we have to include metaphysics inside of physics. Yes. We have to make one big whole model. Yes. And if we're going to make a whole model, and this one then, like Campbell's theory of everything, we, yes. he's so good. But, but all of the, the physical people are trying to get a theory of everything. You can't have a theory of everything if it doesn't include everything. Exactly. You can't have consciousness outside the model if you don't. So the theory of everything, which they're trying to have, inside their little box of materialism can't be the theory of everything, especially after we know that it's only 4% with other 96% they haven't even discerned. Right. The astronomers show us that you haven't discerned it yet. It's out there. That dark energy is what James Clerk Maxwell and um, Oliver Lodge and people called the ether. Mm-hmm. The ether really is there. It always has been there. Yes. Uh, the, Morley Myers experiment this uh, sort of disproved it except there were some errors in that experiment it did not disprove that the ether wasn't there it didn't prove that and so now with dark energy we realize the ether is very much there right. it needs to be there for the transmission of electromotive force and so it, it is there and right. and that's where um, most people don't get it. okay so the other thing that they don't understand is most of the scientists who Tesla, um, Lodge, the people who gave us radio, all, but they're spiritualists. They're, they're, they believe in the afterlife. They believe in uh, Oliver Lodge, who finally won, af- after he was dead, after Marconi, Lodge, and Tesla were all dead, mm-hmm. they finally settled the court case between them and Marconi lost. Yes. It was Lodge and Tesla who gave yes. us the radio. Yes. Lodge um, worked for the Society of Psychical Research as their chairman for a long time, for 30 years. And he examined all their material and he finally then wrote a book in 1906, 1909. He wrote a book in 09 that said, the afterlife is real. We've proven it. Here's, here's how it works. And then in 1915, uh, his son, Raymond, died in the First World War. Okay. And then came back through um, Gladys Osborne Leonard and, and other mediums, came back and talked to him, and, and they had a whole bunch of great evidence for really good stuff. Right. And so then he wrote the book Raymond. And so most people read Lodge's book Raymond, and they say, oh, see, he was such a great scientist, but then when his son died, he got so emotional that he decided to believe in the afterlife, except they've never read his 1909 book six years earlier. Where he okay. says the afterlife is real long before the war even started or Raymond died. Right. Yes. Okay, but they'll they'll go backwards and twist it around and say, Oh, see, he, he wanted to believe that. No, he already believed it when he had no re- reason, no big emotional reason to believe it. Right. And stated right. it clearly yes. as the scientist and member of the Royal Society that he is. Right. So yeah, they the skeptics always twist it around and change the details and do all this other stuff to because they just desperately can't have God. <laughs> now, and the thing is, the, the, the skeptic that can't, the, those, those skeptics that have to feel like they have to take God out of everything, don't really understand. Because they're, what they're, to me, they're t- taking out the quote, quote unquote, Christian God. 
the guy in the cloud that, that's who, that's you know, that judges us. Yeah, you can take that guy out of the equation because we are one with God. We can, yeah. We're not separate from God. Just like you were talking about all those trillions of cells in our body, we each are a tiny cell, a holographic, micro, a holographic multidimensional cell of God. That is who we are. So if you want to take the God out that's up on the cloud, staring down and judging, you can take that God out. But, but, but we are one with God. That's the part that they're, they don't There's no retribution except what we do to ourselves. Exactly. It's our own consciousness, our own feelings about things. That, that is, that's all the punishment there is. It's right there. Yes. And that can be pretty bad for some people. Mm-hmm. And and the it's, it's if we can can if we can show the world that afterlife we're we each eternal and afterlife is real they have to think about what they're doing while they're here they have yes. to start reconsidering it's not uh, the guy with the biggest pile of toys wins the game as he dies and we all go into the blackness that's not how it is it's never been that way and it never will be that way and it's, are eternal and we are one there's yes. no separation yes. but they they're busy separating. Yes. <laughs> separating so that that was the other thing that like i said it was truly science that woke me up to oneness but then i understood the biggest difference between understanding and embracing oneness is so different from traditional religion because traditional religion separates man from god but oneness brings us together as one. Right, and the traditional religions are all manipulated by the government. In fact, if you look at the Arab societies, they want the religion to be the government. Right. And, and it, it's, it's separation of church and state, get it totally separated, and then you don't need the religion to run the government, and once you don't need the religion to run the government, religion doesn't need to be punishing and, and, and persecuting, and, and we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, and all that stuff. Right. Right. Yes. And a lot of organized religion, it's all about control. (laughs) It's all about control. And we're the good guys. And um, so, okay. So on that basis, my sister is still a a fundamentalist Baptist and she knows that I've gone to hell and I've gone to the devil (laughs) because I'm a medium. I'm, you know, and so her pastor, bless his heart, has told her, don't speak to him anymore. Isn't that a loving thing? Yeah. Well, when I when I started my show four years ago, six months after my son's transition, my best friend, who is a fundamental Christian, stopped talking to me. There you are. Yes. You, yes. You got wise to their crap and they yes. can't stand it. So they don't talk to him. Don't yes. talk to her. No, yes. they can't, you can't be because you might find out from them that we're full of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but and they they. they that's that's what they really know at a deep level. Right. This is our own thing we made up, and it's not real. Yeah. And because love, if if they were being loving, she's supposed um, to talk to you, and my sister's supposed to talk to me. That's love. Yes, this unconditional love. 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 And yes. so if God is love, what's this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Certainly not God. Yes. Not even the God they think they're talking about. Right. So, and I always say to fundamental Christians, I say, what does unconditional love mean? 
means exactly that. They take the word unconditional out of there. It's like right. conditions on their love. But God is unconditional love. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. And they don't ever get that. They're, they're, <laughs> they're so busy. Their egos are so big. Yeah. Very the true. Ego, the ego wants us to believe that we are alive in this physical life. Mm-hmm. And we're not. We're just playing here. Yeah. This is the role we're playing. And the ego says, no, no, I'm real. I'm real. No, you're not. <laughs> Sorry about that. And it's the spirit that's real. Yes. The spirit will survive. It's and real and eternal. And eternal. Yes. Absolutely eternal. Been yes. here since the beginning. And be- yes. Thank you. Um, Alan, I so appreciate your time. And, and I so appreciate you coming on. Could you please share with our listeners how they can find you and how, how they can find your book? Okay, so... What you do is you, you go to Google and you write my name, A-L-A-N, and then my last name, H-U-G-E-N-O-T. It looks like huge knot, but it's Huguenot. <laughs> and it's like Chevrolet and Railroad Depot in those places, you know. Okay, okay so it's Huguenot, Alan Huguenot. If you punch in YouTube, you'll get a whole bunch of nice videos that show up. Or you can, um, you'll find me. Everything pops up if you just put my name in. Okay. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm a very... Um, let's see, I have a very unique name. It doesn't appear, nobody else has it. Um, and it, so it's out, just out there. And if you punch that in, you'll find my book. You can get it from Amazon. Um, you'll find uh, videos you can get for free on YouTube. Just, just plug into them. Um, and, and that works. Uh, okay. That's the easiest way to do it. Just put my name, A-L-A-N-H-U-G-E-N-O-T. And it'll pop up. You'll also see some stuff about naval architect. You probably don't want to do that, but <laughs> but that's there too. And you know, my schooner and stuff is on there. But um, what you really want to do is look at the consciousness stuff. Yes. And you can sort through that. And um, there's also um, you'll find a lot of people out there, and they even argue about me on the internet. Um, you know, he said this, and he did, and, and hey, they, these people who are arguing about me, they didn't even talk to me. <laughs> yeah well he said this well yeah did you talk to me no but you're when i said i really i laugh about it when i read it yes yes that's the best thing to do is just laugh about it yeah. <laughs> it's all about vibration and we want to keep our vibration high and not lower our vibration to to meet theirs if we want to start the place to start would be looking at the video called on consciousness Unconsciousness or unconsciousness? 2015, uh, Anthony Chin, he's a, a filmmaker in, in Paris, is a really great guy. And he came over to a second video on me and, and he interviewed me in my living room. Um, we, it was a beautiful day. We were going to have San Francisco view out the back window, but it was foggy. And so we couldn't do the fog. So we just did it in the living room. But um, he, it's a good interview. And I really talk about all these things. And it, it's free. Um, so go get that one and, and have fun with that. Wow. You keep, you keep mentioning people that he's he's upcoming guest on my show. And Dr. Gary Schwartz has been on my show. So we keep, it's like we, we travel in the same circles. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, okay. You mentioned Suzanne Giesman. She, yes. she works for Gary. Um, you know, we, we all do stuff. Um, but, uh, Spirit connects everybody. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, 
And so when, when Gary wants to do something with his soul phone, I'm on his, his uh, soul phone um, foundation. Yes. Um, so we have all this stuff that yes. everything connect, everybody connects everybody else. There's really about 70 or 80 scientists who are working on this stuff. Yes. And they're, um, I, they have a foundation. Uh, it's the, and we're all a member of it, Foundation for Post-Materialist Science. Mm, okay. Post-Materialist Science. And we're, what, what that means is we, a conscious universe, what, what Max Planck was talking about 120 years ago. Yes. Um, and so um, that's where all that is. And, and yes, um, it, we talk to spirits, right? We yes. talk to Max, we talk to James Clerk Maxwell, we talk to uh, Boom, we talk to all these people. They're, they're still alive. Yes. We talk to them. Yes. And the, the, the materialists, when they hear that, they say, oh, bullshit. They, they couldn't possibly. Yes, 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 we talk. Yeah, and this is so true. And I say this too, that the, the, the quantum, mechanic, quantum physics is not new. It's over 120 years old. And, and people act like they don't, I mean, it's not mainstream yet, meaning it's not being taught in elementary school yet, which now, I'm not like, why is it not? <laughs> because, okay, now that, this, this sounds arrogant, but I got to say it. The people who don't understand science teach school. The C students yeah. teach school. The B students work in industry as engineers and the A students go do science. Okay. I don't want to sound arrogant, but that's the truth. So you're asking a, a C student who couldn't possibly get it. It takes an A student to get quantum. <laughs> okay. So he can't teach it to the, to the, she can't teach it to the to grade school students, but it should be taught. Yes. And so that's part of the struggle right there. People with tenure at a college, they're, they're a college professor and they've, they spend a lot of time um, doing whatever they're doing, which is a materialist thing. And they've written papers about it, how, how this can't be true. And they're not going to change their mind. Until they die, the young people can't even move into the position. So it takes generations. And what Max Planck said was, science advances one funeral at a time. Okay. Right. You have to wait till the older guys die off. When they get out of the road, you can move to the new theory and, and bring up the next thing. And the younger people, the people that I meet that are 30 years old, they already understand the universe is conscious. Okay. I don't have to go through a lot of demonstration with them. They, they already understand it's conscious. They come to our mediumship circles. We have this huge mediumship circle going on at this little church. We've got 25 members. We've got 17 people that are visiting in the, in the mediumship circle that are not, you know, they're just, you know, it's a huge thing. Right. And they're young people. They're in their 30s. Yes. And they already know it's a conscious universe. So now they want to know how to connect with it. And right. so they're studying mediumship, which their parents, um, their idea was when you're dead, you're dead. You, you couldn't, you had, it was a real struggle to say, hey, wait a minute, you're not dead when you're dead. I'm talking to these people. Yes. Now with these young people, they just come, they're right there. Yes. They already believe the universe is conscious. So they're looking at all this stuff that's in the book about all the different parts of the science. And it's um, the young people are going to resolve all of this. Yes. Yes. Not the old people. The old people are stuck in their ways. The skeptics are going to die off. Mm -hmm. And they're not, they're having a real hard time creating um, followers. Uh, the, yes. the skeptics are having trouble getting any followers. 
Yes. And uh, this is true. And 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 pe people are leaving traditional churches in droves. So yes, this is very true. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. This has been so great. We I've got to invite you back because it's like that. You and I we have so much in common. We have so many people in common. Yes. We could talk for hours. Yeah, I know. We could. We definitely could. And so much on the same page. So much on the same page. So thank you so much for being my guest. And we hopefully I'll get the. You're in. Okay, you're not in Arizona. You're in uh, San Francisco, California. San Francisco. Okay, because I will be going to Arizona to, for a convention in August. But in um, but we, I'll get to San Francisco. Which I, convention, which convention are you going to? Um, it's the Soul Scottsdale Soul. Uh, I want to say Super Soul, but not Super Soul Summit. There we go. Soul Summit um, in Arizona in, in August. It's got still on August. Uh, September. Yes. Yeah. Soul Summit. Who, who's Soul? You know the um, Suzanne Wilson. Okay, Suzanne Wilson, Suzanne Giesman. Yes. And, yes. Uh, yes. The, okay, that's the um, A-R-E-I. It's putting it on. Yes, A-R-E-I, yes. yes. Yeah, I'm not speaking. I spoke for them. Um, they're they're actually a, 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 a the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies kind of split in half. Yes. And they were the Eastern group, and and I'm still I'm still on the board for the Eastern group. Okay. So, um, I have spoken with these guys. Uh, I know yes. all of them. Um, yes. They're, they're great folks. You'll have fun there. Yes. I was I was there last year too. It was great. Okay. You'll yep. have a lot of fun. Yes. Okay. I was all I was actually got to host a panel last year. Oh. That was great. That was fun. Yes. Well, thank you so much again. I so appreciate you being my guest. And we definitely are going to keep in touch. And I'll definitely let you know when the show will air, uh, which is going to be about a week after um, the show with Dean airs. So you guys are going to be back to back. <laughs> good friends back to back. <laughs> well, good, good deal. We'll talk later. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.